Hello, and welcome to Meandering with Myrn, a potpourri of podcast by me, veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. Join me as I ponder any and all things animal and human, what we know and what we don't, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. If I were queen, I'd make the Russian farm fox studies the foundation of all medical and behavioral training programs. Why would I do this? It's not just because I like foxes and think they're really, really neat animals somewhere behaviorally between dogs and cats, but also because I have this fundamental belief, and call me silly, but I don't think we can say anything about the diagnosis of a problem, be it a health problem, a medical, so-called medical problem, or a behavioral problem, let alone anything meaningful about how to treat that problem unless we know what normal is. And for more than five decades, the Farm Fox studies have been revealing what is for us the most fundamental normal of them all, which is what it means to be domesticated. And being domesticated uh, comes with all kinds of changes. I just want to briefly describe the, the farm fox experiment. What Russian geneticist Dmitry Belayev and his co-workers did was to breed foxes simply for a characteristic they called tameability, uh, which we might refer to as friendliness. And at that time, the idea that behavior had a genetic component was so blasphemous that he and his team were conveniently shunted off to Siberia to do their work. Now, if you've ever worked for a large organization, uh, and particularly one associated with the government, you know that if you really want to accomplish a lot of work, there is nothing better that can happen than to be shunted off and ignored by the government because then you don't have to waste a lot of time with meaningless meetings with petty bureaucrats. And so for many, many years, the geneticists simply bred the friendliest males and the friendliest females, the idea being, if they were lucky, these animals would produce offspring with a tendency to be friendlier. And they weren't doing line breeding. They weren't breeding mother to son, son to daughter, brother to sister. These were distinct um, sound matings. And what they discovered was that in a mere 20 generations, which is nothing in evolutionary time, they had a whole new fox. The fox would come running up to them, wagging his tail like a dog, very friendly, and even barking. But not only that, the fox looked different. The fox had bigger ears, bigger eyes, shorter muzzle, and a downy, bicolored coat. Over the years of the experiments, the scientists have discovered that not only did these animals act and look different, uh, they were physiologically different too. Among other changes, they handled two uh, hormones, cortisol, not hormones, I'm sorry. They handled two substances of behavioral significance and also medical significance uh, differently. One was serotonin and the other one was cortisol. Over the years, the females have also started to come into heat or season 
twice a year instead of once. Now, if you're like me, this kind of study just blows you right out of the water. Because what this study tells us right up front is that we evolve as a mind-body or a behavioral physiological unit. And that in turn tells us that you cannot change behavior without changing physiology any more than you can change physiology without changing behavior. And even though Persian cat breeders have recognized that when they start breeding for uh, certain coat colors or certain eye colors that they're going to get a different body type with that and they're also going to get a different temperament with that, this is something that so far, at least in this country, the dog fancy does not want to appreciate. They still rely heavily on physical appearance and because physical appearance takes precedence, health or physiology and the temperament of those animals takes second or maybe third place at best. The thing about understanding what's going on here isn't just that they change physiologically, but that the characteristics of those foxes, those new foxes, were those of young kits, young puppies, if you will. And so what the experiments showed was that domestication suspends an animal in a physiologically and behaviorally immature state, which is often referred to as neoteny. Now having said that, I want to also mention that domestication is not something that happened to us or our dogs or our cats 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, whatever thousand years ago. This is an ongoing process. And if you don't believe me, look at pictures of particularly working labs and goldens from the 1950s and compare them to the prize winners today. You'll see when you look at today's dogs, shorter muzzles, bigger ears, bigger eyes. In fact, some people will look at the pictures of those older dogs and say, oh, no, 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 that's not a golden. No, that, that's not a Rottweiler. That's a mix. Look at that pointy nose. Look at those beady eyes, those little ears. You can see the same thing in the Siamese cat, which has had a dramatic makeover. Went from the apple-headed cat, a domestic short-haired tabby with a semi-albino mutation that sucked all the pigment out to the tips of the ears and tails and bleached the eyes out to blue. And now what do we have? We have the cat with a triangular head, the big ears, big eyes, smaller nose. You can also see the same thing in horses, Arabs in particular, also quarter horses, which have lost the mature features of a working animal and now look more like a thoroughbred. So there are these changes occurring. Some might also say we could see the same thing in our definitions of beauty and handsomeness, that these two are becoming more uh, immature, more androgynous. So you can see the value of this study, because what this study is saying to all of us who work in either behavior or medicine or the bond, and now I'll add the environment, that if we just stay locked 
into our little special days and our little worlds. We're only doing a fourth of the job. But if we open up ourselves to appreciate what the Russian farm fox studies have to teach us, then we can look at things in a whole new light. And so consequently, now we might understand why, for example, political campaigns might strike older folks as being a heck of a lot more infantile than they strike younger folks. Or in medicine, we might look at all of these conditions, the allergies, the autoimmune problems, the immune deficiency diseases, and instead of looking at each one separately as, you know, something is wrong with this tiny little aspect of the immune response, we might start thinking, hey, we're domesticated. We're physiologically immature. We've got an immature immune response and an immune and an immature immune response might not be so good at uh, figuring out what's normal in the environment and, and what's a foreign protein. And so we wind up with more allergies. And because it's not quite totally mature, it might make mistakes and look at our own cells and say, whoa, that's a foreign invader, better knock him off. Or maybe the exact opposite, that instead of, of recognizing those those cancerous cells that are getting out of whack and knocking them out right at the beginning, the immature immune response lets it go. So there are a lot of things that these very simple but extremely profound studies have to teach us. But if we don't even know they're there, we'll just keep plodding along in our own linear course with our little specialties getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And in case you might wonder why I'm thinking about the farm fox studies right now. It's not just because they do make such an impact on my work and the way I analyze my cases and, and work with my clients. I was also thinking about Balea's foxes this reason <laughs> this week for a completely different reason. Baby's upper jaw is growing again, but her lower one isn't. As yet, I have no idea how this is going to affect her physiology, her health, her behavior, or her relationship with me and the other dogs and my relationship with her. But thanks to even the little I know about the farm fox studies, I know one thing for sure, and that is I know it's going to affect all of them and all of us somehow. You've been listening to a podcast by veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. For more podcasts, commentaries and books about animal behavior and the human-animal bond, and links to behavior and bond sites, check out my website at www.mmilani.com. For more specific information, feel free to email me at mm.mmilani.com. 
All rights related to the content of these podcasts are retained by Myrna Milani. The background music, Molly on the Shore by Percy Granger, is used with permission from Katova Arts, www.katova.com.